Hey, this is Pastor John Ryan Cantu from Numa Church in Houston, Texas. Thank you for listening to the message today. I hope that it blesses you and all those that you share it with. God bless you. Good. It's good to be at church. It's good to be at church. You got to be at church. This is where you come to, 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 to replenish and to be refilled by the Holy Spirit because some people ticked you off Monday through Saturday and you got to come and you're like, Jesus, forgive me and, and give me fuel to enter this week to be the light to the world that you have called me to be. There is no better place to be than at church on a Sunday morning. Amen. And if, if there's someone not here this morning, if there's someone that you haven't seen in a while, reach out to them um, and tell them, man, we, we miss you. That there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a way to do it. And I've learned how to do it because, you know, I'm a pastor and I always have to reach out to people. Like, you don't want to you don't want to be like, hey, where you been, bro? And they're like, oh, geez, judge. Right. Like, so you have to be like, hey, I was just I noticed you weren't there. You know, that, that goes a long way. Now, you know, my secret. So if I reach out to you. Uh, but I noticed that you weren't at church, man. I just want to let you know, man, we miss you and hope to see you soon. Um, reach out to somebody. Reach out to somebody because sometimes people stumble. People stumble. And, and there's people that, that they need the help of the church to help them get back up. Right? There's some people who haven't learned to develop that muscle of running to Jesus. I was being ministered this morning, like I said, in our, in our first service. And, and uh, they, the, the worship team sang that song, I Will Run. And it's such a beautiful song because in, in a part of that, uh, in a, a part of that song, it says, where else can I go? Like, what other choice do I have when I fall? Where else do I go? Nowhere. All, all, all you can do is get up and keep on running to Jesus. And some people haven't developed that muscle yet. And so they need the help of the church to, to let them know, hey, there, there, there is forgiveness, there is, there is a mercy, there is love, there is grace in Jesus Christ. Keep running to Jesus. Amen. Amen. We're going to continue our series uh, today on, on grace. Um, if you missed last week, I encourage you to go back and, and listen to it, or you can, you can go to Facebook or YouTube or, or just subscribe to the Numa Church podcast and, and never miss a sermon, even if you miss a Sunday. Um, and last week we talked about the role of obedience in regards to grace. It's important. You don't, uh, your, your obedience doesn't earn grace, but it goes hand in hand with walking in the grace of God. And I, I want to, today I want to talk about a very familiar story out of Acts chapter nine. Um, it was funny cause yesterday at the, at the fine arts, I was, I was one of the, the evaluators for the short sermon category and, and Vinny, uh, who, who got the merit award by, by the way. Uh, both he and Missy, Missy's also going to Nashville. She did awesome. They both touched on this story. And so I, I just thought it was crazy because listening to their message, I was thinking, man, God is, God is wanting to, to, to preach this message to his church. So God is trying to say something this morning. So I'm going to, I'm going to invite your ears, uh, for the next, I don't know, couple hours, right? Um, I'm just kidding. I don't <laughs> uh, but th- this is, uh, this is, the story is the conversion of Saul also known as Paul. Uh, fun fact, Saul's name was never changed to Paul, like many people think. Paul was still 
uh, often referred to as Saul even after his conversion. Luke tells us that he had two names or he went by two names. Uh, Saul was his Hebrew name and Paul was his, his Roman name. And so Paul was, he was, a, he was a missionary to the Gentile church, the non-Jewish church. And so he opted to, to use his Roman name. So, so his name wasn't changed, but this isn't to say that his life wasn't changed. His life was very much changed. Paul's mission, Paul's purpose, Paul's uh, perspective we're all changed after finding Jesus. Um, has anybody been changed by Jesus before? Amen. So you can attest to that. After any type of encounter with Jesus Christ, you will find change. God will change you even after he's changed you. Right? Like it's not just a one and done thing. God is continuing to, to uh, through the Holy Spirit to change us and to, and to sanctify us. And we're all called to grow and we're all called to be sanctified and, and reach the, the maturity of our faith in Christ Jesus. That's what Ephesians say. So, so God will change you even after he's changed you. And man, I, I can, I can just say, you know, being, being a pastor for the last several years and, and even before that, just growing up in the church, being in church all my life, I have seen transformations in people's lives. I have seen, man, I have seen people grow. And, and, and this morning, Brother Angel, he, who spoke a few weeks ago, he spoke in, the, in, our, in our Spanish service. And um, I was sitting there thinking, man, this guy is a preacher. This guy, I mean, I, and there's, there's, probably, there's probably something more. I'm not going to prophesy to you right now in this moment, but, but there, God has got something, man, for this, for, for, for Angel. And, and I, have, I, have seen, I have seen his growth, his spiritual growth over the past three, four years. I've seen many people grow over the last few years, and it's just so beautiful to see that even after Jesus changes your heart, he still continues to change you. What you learned in one season doesn't need to be what you keep on learning in this season, right? You, so, somebody's outgrown the season that they're in, but because it's uncomfortable to leave that season, you're, you're staying there and you're hindering your own growth. There's, out, there's relationships maybe that you've already outgrown, but you're still there. You may outgrow your current ministry. God is t- trying to take you somewhere else and, and a change needs to happen. God changes us. God changes us even after he changes us. And so I entitled my sermon today, Changing Grace, because just like obedience, change goes hand in hand with the, the, with the grace of God. Change is a product of grace. And I, I want to I read this, this text. It's a, little, it's a little lengthy, but it's all good. Acts chapter 9, if you have it, 1 through 19. If you have it, give me a, a good amen. And if you don't have it, I got you up here. It says this, it says, but Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and he asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus so that if he found any belonging to the way, the way being Christianity, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, as he went on his way, he approached Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground and although his eyes were open, he saw nothing. So they led him by hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days, he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. 
Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, here I am, Lord. And the Lord said, rise and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul, for behold, he is praying, and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, hold up, I have heard from many about this man. How much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. Don't be accusing other people to God, man. God will check you. (laughs) Where am I? And here he has authority from the chief priest to to bind all who call on your name. Verse 15 says, but the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and children of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer. For the sake of my name. Amen. Let's go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you, my God. I thank you for this word, my God, that you've spoken over your servant, Father God. I pray, Lord, that that your Holy Spirit be on my lips this morning, my God, to to deliver this word, Father God. And I pray that we may be receptive, my God. I pray that we may may come to you, my God, with with cups empty, my God, or, or half empty, my God, ready, my God, to be filled by your word and by your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I want to reiterate real quick the definition of grace that, that, I, that I provided last week, uh, and, I, and I wrote it up here. It says, grace is the undeserved kindness of God that extends an acceptance into his perfect and holy kingdom to people who are totally corrupt and unholy and undeserving. That is, I would say, just a, a very general kind of to the point uh, definition of the grace of God, but it's so much deeper than that. The grace of God is so, is so vast and so rich. God's grace doesn't just invite us into his kingdom. It commissions us to work for his kingdom. You didn't get that. That didn't make you excited enough. God, God's grace isn't just to invite you to have a seat in his kingdom. It's, it's to have an assignment in his kingdom. If, if, you were to, if you were to be sought after by, you know, some of the most valuable companies in the world, um, what an honor w- would that be if, if Apple called you up and they offered you a job? If, uh, if Google called you up, if Elon Musk himself was like, hey, I want you to come and work for Tesla, um, that, would be, that would be a privilege, Right. Because these are very, very uh, valuable companies. These are very prestigious companies that not just anyone can can work for. And all of us are consumers of these companies. We're all we we all I don't know anyone. Everyone in this room, at least if you're saved, has an iPhone. Right. (laughs) I don't know about some of your other ones, man. (laughs) I don't get it, man. I just don't. That's another sermon. But uh, but but everybody in here. Everybody, I mean, more and more people are driving Teslas and, and Google. Google is the standard. I don't know anybody who goes to Bing.com for, you know, for their resources. Like, Google is the, is the standard. And so all of us are consumers of the products and services of these companies. But I don't think many of us are being invited to work for these companies. But God, in his grace, has invited us to, to be partakers in his kingdom. But not only, only that, workers in his kingdom. That, that is the great privilege that, that God would have grace to entrust me to work in his kingdom despite all that I've done, all the mess ups I've made. God considers 
what you have, look, it, it might not be enough for him. It, not, it might not be good enough for God because there is nothing that we can offer that is good enough to the perfect God because that would mean that we have to be perfect and we're just not. So, but, but, but there's something that you have that maybe isn't good enough for God, but it is good enough to be used for God. Because God knows, God knows that when he empowers your skills, when he empowers your knowledge that you have, the wisdom that you have, the influence that you have, the passion that you have, when he's behind all of that, he can turn everything into uh, to his glory, to be used for his glory. That's grace. That's grace. So yes, God, I'm not good enough. Yes, God, I have failed you. I've, I've dropped the ball time and time again. I've made mistakes, but your grace commissions me to work for your kingdom. What an honor. Seriously, man, what an honor that God still wants to, to use damaged goods. Damaged goods. He doesn't throw you away because of what you've been through. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't throw you away because of what you've done. He doesn't consider you unusable. I have, you know, I have some people in, in, like in my life and people who aren't really in my life but, but have an impact over my life. And I, and I often, think, often think, man, if only they were saved. Have you ever said that about another person? Like I, I, have, I have a lot of uh, family members, man. I have some family members who it's like they know the entire world. They're, they have so many friends. They have so much influence there. They're like the leaders in their social groups. And I, and I think to myself, man, if only, only he were saved, how many people would he be bringing to church? How many people would he be bringing to the Lord if only he were saved? Or I'll be, I'll be listening to like a, like a podcast or reading a book and, I, and I'll think, man, this guy is so intelligent. If only he were saved, how many people he would reach? That girl is so talented. If only she were saved. There's so many people that I say that about. If only they were saved. And I bet that, I bet Paul was one of those people that people would say, man, if only Paul were saved. What an asset he would be. Because, man, Paul was, Paul was, he was a bad boy, man. I love Paul. He was one of my favorites, man. Uh, and the author of, of two-thirds of the, of the New Testament. Um, but, but, but think about him before he was the Apostle Paul. Think about where, what he came out of. Paul was so, man, he was, he was, he was strong-willed. He was, he was bold. He was passionate. He was highly educated, that was, all, that, that was who he was before he came to Christ. Before he came to Christ, he was this person. He was, he was strong-willed. He was passionate. He was bold. He was highly educated. And he was using all of that for the wrong reasons. But studying the story, I realized that, that God wanted to use that. God wanted to use that strong-willed and passionate and highly educated Paul. What God wanted to change was his purpose. So, so sometimes we think so lowly of ourselves that, that we are just not the person uh, for the job. God doesn't want me. God doesn't want to use me. But, but when you came to Christ, I want, I want somebody to listen this morning. When you came to Christ, the Holy Spirit didn't try to change your DNA. He's not, he's, not, he's not wanting to change who you are as a person. He's trying to change who you do things for. I'm sorry. I'm so, if, if you were a goofy person before you came to Christ, 
you're going to be a goofy Christian. <laughs> I'm so, if you were an introvert before you came to Jesus, you're not going to miraculous be, uh, miraculously become an extrovert. It's not going to work that way. God isn't trying to reshape your DNA. He's trying to reshape your heart. He's trying to reshape your motives, your attitude, and your purpose. And some of us, we discount ourselves because of the, per- the, 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 the part of us that God actually created. Why am I so quiet? God can't use me. Someone was telling me the other day. Someone was telling me, Pastor, you're, you're, so, you're so quiet, but, but when you get on stage, you're so loud. <laughs> God, isn't, God isn't trying to, to, to change you know, who, who, what makes you you. He's trying to repurpose it. God, God wanted to transform that drive that Paul already had for persecuting Christians, now for making Christians, for making disciples. He wanted to transform Paul's zeal for what he thought was a noble cause for the cause of Christ. God takes into account all, everything, you've, all the junk you've done, and he gives you grace, and he says, look, now I want you to serve in my kingdom. Okay, you used to serve the world with your money. Now I want you to serve my kingdom with your money. Uh Uh-oh. With the same passion that you used in the world, I want you now to use for for me. With the same influence that you had, you were an influencer on Instagram and you had 100,000 followers. Now I want you to use that influence for me. With that same goofiness that you had before Christ. God wants you to be goofy for Jesus. <laughs> and maybe before you came to Christ, maybe you had something to offer people. Maybe, maybe you were that person who had a lot of friends and you had a lot of influence. And when you would speak, people would stop and listen to you because you had something valuable to say. Maybe, maybe people looked up to you. Maybe you were the person that, that made the whole room laugh. Maybe there was something special about you that made you you. And then you came to Christ and you stopped being that person. And maybe it's because you don't know how to, how to be that person now in the context of your faith, but God wants to use you. He wants to use you. Tell the person next to you, God wants to use you, because I don't know if I'm getting through. God wants to use you. And listen, maybe whatever you have needs to be molded, and maybe it needs to be refined, and maybe it needs to be repurposed, but if the devil can corrupt God's perfect design, God can redeem the corrupted. Yeah. We, 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 I feel like we, we talk about this all the time. Everybody knows God wants to change your heart. God wants to change your heart. God wants to change your mind. Can anybody here say, man, God has changed my heart? Yeah. Yes? Has God changed? Come on, come on, be happy about it. If, if God changed your heart, raise your hand. I want to see it. God changed your heart. God probably transformed your mind. But he also wants to change your hands. He also wants to change the direction of where your feet are going. He wants to change your voice. He wants to redirect everything that you used to be in the world now for his kingdom. And the scripture is so true. The harvest, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. I think we could say that another way. The Christians are plentiful, but the workers are few. 
there's, there's over a billion people who profess the name of Jesus. I, I don't know how accurate that is, but according to statistics, there's over a billion Christians. I don't, I don't think I know of a billion preachers. I don't think I know of a billion missionaries. I don't think I know of a billion uh, teachers, workers in the kingdom of God. But if God truly changed your heart, if God truly changed your mind, you weren't called to just sit here Sunday after Sunday and, and, and be fed. You are also called to feed. You are called to work. <clears throat> A lot of times we're, we're good about giving God our heart, but not our services. I'm not, look, I'm not saying that everybody in here has to do ministry. Paul, Paul still had his own business. He had his business beforehand. And he had his business afterwards. Paul didn't stop being Paul. He was still zealous. He was still passionate. He was still strong-willed. He was bold. He just started working for another kingdom. He took all the skills that he used to have. And he, he got rid of all the stuff that he didn't need. And he repurposed everything that he was now for God's service. And when God changes a person, it, it is a change of heart, it is a change of mind, it is a change of will, it is a change of desire, it is a change of attitude, it is a, it is a change of direction, it is a complete change. It is a change so radical, people won't even know what to make of it sometimes. So if you notice, you know, God tells Ananias, who is a believer, verse 15 Concerning Saul, he says, he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. Now, in everybody else's mind, especially those who knew Saul, they're probably saying, why Paul? Because I I know his story. I know some things that, God, I don't even know if you know. know? (laughs) Everybody has like, 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 a, like secret insight into somebody's life. Oh, it's because, and, and you're holding on to something they did to you like 20 years ago. Oh, if you only know what they did to me 20 years ago. Get over it, bro. <laughs> Everybody's like, well, what, what, what's so special about Paul? Isn't, isn't Paul the opposite of what you would want in a missionary? <laughs> Shouldn't you have Jesus first, you know? And, and Ananias tells him, God, you're talking about the, the, the same Saul who, who persecutes Christians. The same Saul who was right there witnessing and approving the death of, of Stephen, the martyr. You're, you're talking about that guy who was going to Damascus to, to arrest people like me. That's the guy that you want me to invite into my home and pray for? See, there's something else that we need to understand about grace. It doesn't make sense to people. God's grace doesn't make sense to people. When you're saying destroy them, God is saying preach to them. You know the story of Jonah? Jonah's like, God, I don't want to preach to them because then you're going to have grace on them. Why don't you just destroy them? (laughs) And God's like, preach to them so that I can give them my grace, so that I can show them mercy. We're We're nothing like God. We are nothing like God. Sometimes, sometimes humans like to posture themselves as, as, as better morally than God. Well, how can God do, do such things in the Old Testament? But, but God, man, God has a grace beyond our understanding. And that is, that is the grace that he wanted to show Paul. It's not going to make sense to some people. And, and, and I'm talking, I'm talking to, 
to you this morning because God is calling you for something special and maybe some, a lot of times the thing that holds us back is people. It's not God, it's people. What are people gonna think? Because you know that people will remember your past and wanna take that into the, uh, to the future. Oh, he, wasn't, he used to be an atheist. Oh, she, she, she used to, to gossip all the time and, and man, she ruined some lives. She was a heartbreaker. Man, you should have seen her in high school. He was divorced. That's who you want to use, God? God will use the most unlikely candidates to magnify his strength, to diss you, <laughs> to be like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to use the person that you think I can't use to show you just how much I can use them. God sees something valuable to be used for his glory in your life. Don't let the fact that that you're new to the faith stop you. I know we have a lot of newer Christians. Don't let that stop you. Don't let the fact that you're young stop you. Don't let the fact that you just got out of a whole other season stop you. Because God's grace is sufficient to change everything. I hope God is speaking to somebody this morning, man. That was my prayer. I was like, God, speak to somebody. I don't know who this is for. It might not be for you, but it might be for someone else. And, but I, I feel like God is speaking to someone who has been in the same place for too long. You've been in the same place. You've been coming to church year after year, and you sit in the same spot. You go to the same place to eat afterwards. <laughs> You do the same thing Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday comes, start it all over again. You've been in the same spot. You haven't grown. You haven't let God do the, the, the radical change in your life that he wants to do. You're at a spiritual plateau. You're stuck. I, uh, some years ago, I was frustrated with myself because it seemed like I, was, I hit a, 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 a plateau in my, my physical training and I was eating all the right things and I was, you know, I was hitting the gym and I was working out. I was doing everything that I was supposed to do, but I, I felt like nothing more was happening. And then, you know, I just convinced myself, well, that, that's it. I, I peaked, you know, it's all, all down here, uh, all downhill from here. And then I told somebody what my, my issue was. And I was like, man, I'm not, I'm not able to grow. And I, I mean, I, I just, I can't, I can't get anywhere else. And, and they asked me a very simple question. He says, have you changed your routine? Are you still doing the same thing? Because sometimes in order to change, you, ha- you have to make a change, right? You have to make a change. And, and it's not to say that the place that you're at is bad. It, I'm not saying that, that you're in sin right now. But God might want to elevate you and you haven't let that happen because you haven't made a change in your life. You haven't said, God, take this from me. Take this thorn in my flesh that is, that is hindering me from, 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 from going more. Are you doing the same thing spiritually? The reason that we see such a radical transformation from the Apostle Paul is because he didn't just accept Jesus as his Savior. He made Jesus Lord over everything. He didn't just say the prayer of salvation and then went to Chili's afterwards. He went, he went through a transformation process. He went through a process. We don't, we don't like that word process. We don't like it. But, but there is always a process. And, and this is truly the way that surrendering to Jesus looks like. 
When God takes over everything that you are, everything that you do is now about honoring and glorifying him. So, so often we restrict the change that the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives. We, think we're, we still think we're not enough. Or we overthink our salvation. How many of you have overthought your salvation? How many of you have questioned your salvation because of what you just came out of? Like, am I really saved? Can I tell you that Paul was literally on his way to Damascus to bring back Christians, to prosecute them. And in the very same city that he was going to go try to, to look for those Christians, he ends up preaching to the people about why he is now a Christian. <laughs> Serving God, it begins the moment you say yes to Jesus. You might not know what it looks like right away. You, you may need to be instruct, instructed, but you got to be ready for it. Because your invitation into God's kingdom is also your invitation to begin working in his kingdom. I want you to look at the order of events real quick. You still with me? All right. Give me this water real quick. Look at the order of events in Paul's conversion. Going back to verse 4. It says, And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you? What? Man, we, we need to get that. We need to get that LED wall, man. It says, Lord, who are you, Lord? And saying, Lord, what was Paul doing? He was recognizing authority. The word Lord, kurios, in the Greek, it means authority. It means master. It means submission. He said, who are you, Lord? He was surrendering to whoever this person was, he hadn't revealed uh, himself to be Jesus yet, but whoever it was, he was surrendering. Whoever it was, he earned the right to be called Lord. So, so here, right there in verse 4, that's his conversion. All right, I surrender. Who are you, Lord? And verse 5, he says, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. <laughs> what a blow that would have been. I want you to imagine that for a second. You're, you're on your way. You're on your way to try to destroy Christians, destroy, defame the name of Jesus. That is your purpose. That is, that, that is your calling. You're on your way to destroy Jesus, and then Jesus appears to you, and you're like, who are you, Lord? And he's like, I'm Jesus. The one that you're persecuting. Man, if I were Paul, I think I'd, I was about to die. I'd be afraid for my life, like, man, this surely, this is about judgment. Surely, Jesus is about to kill me because I have made myself an enemy of him. I've made myself an enemy of God because I have said no, I've rejected his son, Jesus. I'm, I'm about to receive judgment, but instead he receives an assignment. And instead, he receives a calling. And it's not wrapped up in judgment. It's not wrapped up in punishment. It's wrapped up in grace. Yeah. It's wrapped up in grace. That would have been such a transformative moment for, for, for my life, just thinking about it. On my way to, 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 to do 
harm to the name of Jesus. And then Jesus shows me grace and he says, verse six, but rise and enter the city and you're gonna be told what to do. His assignment began the moment he recognized Jesus as Lord. Same moment. And so does yours. So does yours. Now, Paul didn't know what his assignment was right away, but it didn't matter because he already, he already surrendered. And so now he's, he's going through, through that process, that, that transformation process, which begins the moment you say yes. And so I'm, I don't know who I'm speaking to, but stop waiting to begin. Stop waiting to start the process. He's already changed your heart. Let him change everything else. Let him repurpose your life. In real estate, we call it rehab. Whenever, whenever we're going into a project to renovate like an old or a messed up property, the process of fixing it up, it's, called, it's known as rehab. Now, the property stays the same, right? It, it's, the same, it's the same shell. It's the same house. Everything that the property has been through, you know, that hasn't changed. If at one point there was a fire in that house, it, you know, it, the, even if there's not a current indication of fire damage, it doesn't matter. You still have to disclose it because it's the same house. The past doesn't change. Whatever happened inside that home doesn't change, but it undergoes a rehab process to make it livable again. So that another family can come in and joy and make memories. That's what happens when you come to God. God isn't trying to tear you down because you're damaged goods and throw you into the, into the flames. He's trying to repurpose you. But you got to let him do the work. Stop waiting for the, for the moment to be, to be right. Stop waiting to be Perfect. I, I find it so funny that people, you know, they, they try to be perfect before coming to Christ. I'm like, no, bro, that's backwards. That's not how you do it. Come as you are, accept Jesus as you are, and then let him do the work, right? But Christians, we, we still fall in the same thing. We, we receive Jesus, and then we wait to be perfect before we can start serving. Now, don't get me wrong, okay? If you got saved yesterday, I ain't going to ask you to preach next Sunday, <laughs> Okay, but serving, you can serve in any capacity that God has called you to be. And God has an assignment over your life. Stop waiting for that perfect moment and let the grace of God do his work over, over everything, man. I was, uh, I'm, I'm about to wrap up. I'll have the worship team come up, but I was, uh, I was, I was looking over some of my, my latest messages Sometimes I like to go back and, and, and re-listen and, and kind of critique myself. And uh, I realized that a lot of the messages lately have been, they've kind of been tough messages. Like, they've been some heavy hitters, man. Like, um, the, the, the type of message that is much more uh, exhortative than encouraging. A lot of people like those messages. They're like, get them, pastor. Get them. We can take it. We can receive it. The truth hurts, Right? People, man, people like them. And when a, when a message is preached on grace, there's always a tiny group of people who conflate the message with great, of grace with a feel-good message. I've been preaching a long time. I, I've, I've had people say, I've had people criticize messages of grace. Not a lot, but, but there's always someone who's just, oh, he's talking about grace. 
That's a, that's a, that's a feel-good message. I had to tell one guy once, like, I mean, I don't know about you, but I think the grace of God feels pretty good. It is good. All right? Because grace is the way that God shows love to his people. Grace is the way that gives us access to heaven. It is what saves us. Excuse me for feeling good about the grace of God. That, that's, that's the whole point of the gospel, to, re, to restore imperfect people into God's perfect kingdom and to equip them to work in his kingdom all by the unearned grace of God. Does that not feel good? Is that not why we come and sing songs of praise and thanksgiving? Does that not make you happy? It's true what they say. Truth hurts. Truth hurts. But sometimes the truth feels good. And the truth that God loves you, the truth that God is for you, the truth that God has commissioned you to work in his kingdom, that should put a smile on your face. That shouldn't put you to shame. That should make you feel grateful that God wants to use you. God wants to use you. God wants to use me. I love that song, man. Amazing Grace, a classic song, but it says everything that encompasses the grace of God. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I was was lost. I didn't stay lost I once was blind but I didn't stay blind that is the grace of God and I don't know about you man but it feels so good to me it is it it feels so good to know that I am called a friend of God because I know that at one point I was an enemy And one of his final uh, letters, Paul, this is like his last letter that he writes before his death. He writes to his protege, Timothy. Chapter 1, verse 12. First, first Timothy, chapter 1, verse 12. I want you just to think about this. Think about the life of Paul. I know we, we went from his conversion all the way kind of towards the end of his life. Think about everything that he went through. Think about the person he was before Christ and everything God did through him throughout his ministry. He's looking back at his life. He's looking back at his ministry and and his pre-conversion state. And he says this to Timothy. He says, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service, Though formerly I was a blasphemer, I was a, prosecu- I was a persecutor, I was insolent, an insolent opponent, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. Verse 14 says, and the grace of our Lord overflowed from me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. He says, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus, listen somebody, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of who I am the foremost. But I receive mercy for this reason, that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. 
to the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. What God did for Paul, he has done for so many of us. He has given us grace to dwell in his kingdom, but also to work in his kingdom. And maybe you're sitting there this morning thinking, Pastor, I'm not Paul. I, I didn't have a Paul-like experience. I don't have the, the skills that the apostle Paul had. Nothing about Paul's life relates to me. That's fine. That's fine. You're not supposed to insert yourself into Paul's story. That's Paul's story. You're not Paul. I'm not Paul. Paul is simply an example that if God changed him, he can change you. Not everybody's going to have a Paul-like experience. Most of us don't. You're not going to have that same calling that Paul had. Everybody's experiences, everybody's callings and journeys are going to be different. No no one's anecdotal story is always going to be applicable to yours. But there is one constant. The grace of God. The grace of God. Your calling is unique. Your encounter with Christ is unique. Your story is unique. But God's grace is universally compatible to change your life. I'm here just to tell somebody this morning to get to work. Get to work. Get to work. You have a testimony you haven't shared yet. You have a story you haven't shared yet. You have a person sitting across where you work who you have yet to, to share Jesus with. Get to work. I'm not saying you gotta, I'm not saying you gotta do it here. I'm not saying you gotta you gotta sign up for ministry. You can if you want. We welcome it. We need the help. But get to work. Stop discounting yourself. Stop saying you're not good enough. And say, God, I want to be used. I want to be used. I want to be used. And please realize what that means. Please realize what, what we say when, when we're talking about being used by God. I say this all the time, but I got to remind you, it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good because you're literally being used. That's a, that's a derogatory term. Oh, he just uses people. Oh, she just uses people to get, get what she wants. God will use you to advance his purpose. And it's not always going to feel good. God is going to take you through some things so that he can refine you. I was telling someone this, this week who has a pastoral calling over, over his life. I said, man, God will make you live today what you'll be preaching in the future. Doesn't always feel good, but what a privilege. What a privilege. And that's something that the apostles understood. It was a privilege to be used for the sake of Christ. Because to them, to be used meant to be suffering. That's, it was synonymous. To be used meant to suffer for the cause of Christ. And they counted it joy. Joy.
to be able to suffer for the cause of Christ, that God loves me enough to put me in his toolbox. I know this sounds cheesy, but God loves you enough to use you. Let him use you. Let him use you. I ask you to stand. Yes, Father. Your way is better, Father. I want to call everybody up here this morning. I want to call everybody up this morning. Let's have a moment with God. Come on, let's have a moment with God. Come on, begin to pour out your heart to God this morning. Just begin to worship God this morning. Begin to say, God, search me. Seek me. Begin to say yes. Begin to thank him. I thank you, my God. I thank you for your grace. How many times have I been undeserving of it, my God? How many times have you had the right to just take it away from me, my God? But I thank you. I thank you. Somebody needs to stop holding back this morning. Someone needs to say, God, change my hands. Change the way I give. Change the way that I speak. Change the the direction of which I'm going. Change everything about me, my God. In this moment, I want to be used. I want to be used. Come on. Thanks for listening. If you'd like some more information on Numa Church, visit us on our website at mynumachurch.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share it with your friends on social media and tag us at mynumachurch. Thanks again and God bless.